Hey, it's Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. I hope this message challenges you. I hope that it inspires you. But more importantly, I hope that it helps you grow spiritually. If you want to be a part of what we're doing here at Redefined Church, you can always support us by going to liveredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. Glad you're here taking part to engage with Remain How Part 1. This is a question that we asked uh, this morning, Sunday morning. Um, on uh, essentially based on uh, John chapter 15, John 15, 5, uh, it talks about being connected and in relationship with God. And it says, if you remain in me and I remain in you, ask whatever you wish, it'll be given to you. This is something God put on my heart uh, this past Thursday. And so I'm excited to kind of jump in to, uh, to these principles and help you move forward in your faith. And so let's jump in. Let's recap last week. Uh, Luke 10, 38 through 42, as Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Remember last week we parked on this verse, verse 39, her sister Mary sat on a floor uh, listening to Jesus as he talked this morning. But Martha was the jittery type and was worrying over the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, sir, doesn't seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work. Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, Martha, dear friend, you are so upset over all these details. Verse 42, there is only one thing worth worrying about or worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it, so it will not be taken away from her. And so then what you see in verse 40 now is that Martha just needed to relax. Lord, don't you care that my sister has, uh, who is concerned as well as I, in having things done well, has left me to serve alone. So dismiss her is what she's asking him. So dismiss her and tell her to come help me. Martha's complaint made it easy to see that she was distracted and couldn't see what was most important. She talks like she's upset with her sister. Otherwise, she would not have asked Jesus to help with the matter. Right? And so what we need to see is this. Excess concern and pursuit of performance or accomplishment is often the reason for disturbances in our families and for strife and contention in our relationships. Also, those who are eager to chase completion and focus on personal performance are normally the ones to blame and criticize those who are not chasing it. And while they justify themselves and their actions, they are ready to condemn those who do not, as if they neglected their opportunity to take part in the busyness too. And so what you see is the problem is the people who are like this, they've created the value of doing. And if or when you can't do like them, you become an anchor to them. Well, they just can't hang with you. Oh, you just can't work with me. Oh, we just can't. Well, and there's it's it's a either it's a complaint or you're an anchor, right? And so Martha, being angry at her sister, appealed to Jesus and assumed that Jesus would take her side in being upset. It seems Jesus expressed himself tenderly concerned for her as he was a guest in her home. She expected that he would tell her sister uh, to take her share in the work, but he didn't. Here's the thing. When Martha was busy, uh, she must have Mary. Jesus and, uh, when Martha was busy, she must have Mary Jesus and everyone else cared just as much as her or she wasn't pleased. She had to make sure everybody knew that was like, that's like when you say, I want everybody, everybody needs to know, make sure everybody knows I'm busy. 
right? That's what that's what Martha's doing here. She says, so if you're a note taker, here's where you can write this down. Those who are not always in the right are the quickest to appeal to God, okay? We must take heed then. We, as individuals, as followers, must take heed. This is Acts 20, 28. Take heed to yourself and then to the flock. We must take heed then in case at any time we expect Jesus to support our unjust busyness. I've done that before. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Give all your worries and all your cares to God, for He cares about you. The cares which He cast upon you may cheerfully be cast back upon Him, but not those which we foolishly draw upon ourselves. How many times do we put stuff in our backpack that we don't need to be carrying? And we're going uphill anyways. We foolishly draw negative things or heavy things upon ourselves, right? Now, what you need to understand is Jesus will be the patron of the poor and of the injured and of the sick, but he will not be the patron of the unstable, the ignorant, or the hurtful. And I think that's why it's super important that we actually uh, jump in and be a part of what's going on right now as far as staying where we're, where we're told to stand and, and essentially just staying put. And so Martha appealed to Jesus and he gives judgment against her. Martha, Martha, he says it twice. He corrected her, though he was at this time a guest in her house. Her fault was doing too much to entertain him. She was just busy. And she expected that he would justify her in that. Well, don't you see? Like, look at everything I'm doing. And really, a do never, ever, ever trumps a who. Yet, Jesus publicly checks her for this. This is an opportunity for Martha to get right. He, he provides her an opportunity to say, you know what? You're right. This can wait. You're a guest in my home. She doesn't. Here's the thing. As many as Jesus loves, he also rebukes and he humbles. Even those that are dear to him, if anything be off in anyone, he will make sure it gets corrected. At least he's going to provide that opportunity, right? When he corrected her, he called her by name, Martha. He speaks earnestly and deeply concerned for her well-being. People who are entangled in the cares of this life are not easily disentangled. It is a process to get where you got, and it's going to be a process to get out, right? If it took time to get there, so then if I'm deep, the only way out of deep is up, that means it's going to be a climb, right? It's uphill. That's okay. Just buy into the process, okay? You must... You must... um, you must accept that there needs to be a change, and there needs to be a change in you, especially if if you are uh, busy, if you just like to do, and you've kind of gotten lost in the what. I think, again, this is such a great time that we have to sit back and reflect on where our priorities are and, and what, what needs to be done next, and that what should be a who. Remember, our why is attached to a who. Jesus noticed Martha was troubled about many things. He was not pleased that she thought she had to please him with greater entertainment or that she was pushing herself so hard to accomplish it. Jesus corrects her for both the intenseness of her care and the extensiveness of it. He corrects her for both the intenseness of her care and the extensiveness of it, which led her to be disappointed in herself. Ever been there? You ever been there? I have. (laughs) Many times, right? 
And it's only at that moment we realized, dang, I didn't have to do all that. If I, like, I'll, I just had to show up. Like, as a husband for Heather, she just needs me there. I could, I'm telling you, for so long I couldn't see that. I couldn't see that. What do you mean she just needs you there? Doesn't she know I'm doing all this? I'm busy. I'm busy. And so then, we're all troubled, divided, and disrupted by our cares, which lead to our disappointments. But God said, give, give me those, uh, God said, give me those cares, right? Especially busy. When he says, cast all your cares upon me, right? For my burden is light. He says, give me those cares. And when he says, give me those cares, he especially, he, he especially means busy. Give me busy. He can handle busy all day long. Created the world in six days. Okay? He can take it. Here's a thought for you. Who told Martha to get so busy? Who was barking orders at Martha? Nobody. She did. She created an expectation that she couldn't fulfill and naturally didn't have enough to do it. She didn't have enough to do it. Remember, our personal expectations lead to our greatest frustrations. It's not that we need to have low-level expectations. That's not it. It is your expectations are going to lead to your frustrations. And so then, who is setting the mark? Who's creating the list? Right? Martha expected Jesus to blame Mary for not doing as she did, but he blamed her for not doing as Mary did. Right? The judgment of Jesus is always according to truth. The judgment of Jesus is always according to truth. The day finally came, someone got Martha's attention, and she realized it. And she realized that she needed to be sitting with her sister. The light came on for her. And she knew that that was her place. Her place was right next to Mary, not in the next room. Right? I believe the day will come uh, that we all wish we had taken the time to posture ourselves just like Mary. There have been moments, obviously, that um, that, I, that that wasn't my posture in life. And so um, I love that, that the season that we're in right now, we have a chance. Again, for me, even though this is very fresh and very real to me, it's part of my everyday life is to be somebody, is to be an example to my wife and to my kids to lead well. Um, I just think it's it's so huge that um, there's gonna the day will come where we look and we realize, man, if I would have just seen Mary for what it was, and so many times, just when I was working all the time, it was for me, it was uh, Mary. Like, I got stuff to do. I got time to read that story, right? And so verse 42, it says, Mary discovered what mattered most. And because she did, Jesus said it would never be taken away from her. What matters most is your relationship with Jesus. That's what we remain in. What matters most is your relationship with Jesus. It is that time with him that fuels you. That's it. Those moments of quiet are what fuel your engagement throughout the day. So many times in scripture, Jesus goes away to get alone and to get quiet and to pray so he can connect with God. His quiet times with God were a source of strength. It's how he came out and did what he did, right? That's what Jesus is telling us in John 15. And we're going to go into depth here. This is John 15, and this is going to be one through eight. And then we're going to get to action steps, which is really good. It says, I am the true vine. My father is the vineyard keeper. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. 
You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. Right? I am the vine, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them and they throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Remain, remain, remain. Consistency. Consistency. My father is glorified by this that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples, followers, that you remain. We all need to be connected to God right now. We all need to be connected to God right now. In my intro message, I ask you to carve out 5 to 15 minutes uh, a day this week. And uh, here is what step one is, how to remain in Christ. Step one, how to remain in Christ. This is how we stay rooted in relationship with God, right? And so be relaxed. Anybody ever tell you to relax? Man, I, I can't tell you how much I love it when Heather tells me, just relax, right? I don't love it. That's a lie. Um, not that I like to do that. But when somebody tells you to relax, what's the, what's the first thing you do? You normally get offended, right? <sighs> relax. You relax. Don't tell me to relax. You relax, right? And so then why? Because of our pace. It's because of our pace. And so then... Be relaxed. Be relaxed. And just understand, this is God This is God saying, relax. And what does relaxing mean? It means be less anxious. Ease into your time. Okay? Why? It's Psalms 46.10. It's just three different versions of Psalms 46.10. It says, be still. Stop your striving. Let go of your concerns and know that I am God. Okay? Be still. Stop your striving. Let go of your concerns and know that I am God. How do we do this? Come on, come into a time with God under control, with peace, with peace. I have this on a PDF. If you want it, just email me, dusty at liveredefined.com, and I will email this to you. Here are the steps to do this. If you're taking notes, you're going to intentionally unplug 1 to 15 minutes per day. The next thing is you're going to be 100% present in that time. So whatever that, whatever that mark is, if it's three minutes, I'm going to be 100% present in that moment, 100% there for those three minutes. And the next step, the last step, is to trust it and lean into it. Lean into it. This is not a have to, it's a get to, right? This is not an obstacle. This is an opportunity to connect and to remain in the Father. Your next step after that is going to be to take time to reflect. I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to close with that. Your next step would be to take time to reflect. And so then, all right, so I'm unplugging it and I've got one to 15 minutes a day. What am I doing? The first thing you're going to do is pray and you're going to read. We're going to talk about reading today because step two, I'm going to go deeper into prayer. Okay. How to be intentional in reading the Bible. There's nine things if you're taking notes. They're very simple. Find your place. Your location is 80% of your success. If you have to go sit on the roof, sit on the roof, but you have to find a place where you can read. Where you can get alone, get quiet, and not be distracted, not be interrupted, right? 
Two, identify your start. Where am I starting in the Bible? If I like mean potatoes, you want mean potatoes, start with Proverbs. It's right in the middle of the Bible. There's one proverb for every day. You can start with one verse. You can start with one chapter in Proverbs. Either way. If you like stories, you need to start in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that's what starts the New Testament. If you want to know about the church, start in Acts. Everybody needs to, needs to read through the Gospels. This is how you get to know who Jesus is, who God is. This is, this is learning who God the Father is through Jesus the Son, right? Number three, read slowly. Read slowly. I can't come rushing into, um, you know, I don't, even, I don't care how great your comprehension level is. I need to read it slowly. I can't be in a hurry. And I don't want to read too large of an amount to start, okay? This is like going to the gym January 1, right? I'm going to be here for three hours. I'm going to kill it. I'm going to lose 30 pounds. And three days later, you're totally exhausted. It's the same principle. Don't read too large of an amount. Come in and read for the pure joy of it, okay? Number four, read without stopping. That means whatever you've chose to read that day, read it, okay? And then reread it and reread it again if you want to. But don't stop in the middle of what you've committed to read and go off on this little tangent because what's going to happen is you're going to get a text, okay? Or you're going to get distracted. Something's going to happen, especially if you're using a computer or your phone to do it, okay? Read a Bible. If you want a Bible, I will give you one. I will mail it to you if I have to. Just tell me where you're at, and I will send it, okay? If you come to church, you get a free Bible. Everybody gets a Bible when you come in, and so... Um, whenever we get back, right? And so, read without stopping. Um, number five, read for the pure joy of it. I just said that. Expect and allow God to speak to you. Expect something to jump off that page. It's why it's called the Living Bible. Number six, don't be afraid to highlight in your Bible. I have four Bibles that I read. This is a teaching Bible, but I have other Bibles, and I'm highlighting. If God says something to me, I want to make sure that I, that I take note of it, and I highlight, and I'm also going to write about it afterwards. We'll talk about that in reflection, right? Don't be afraid to highlight. Think on it. Reread it. Write it down. Number seven, read out loud but quietly. This is good because it helps you consume it a little bit better. It gives you some more meat to chew on, right? This improves your concentration. It helps you understand better uh, as you get to see and hear what you're reading. Number eight, read in an orderly method. Don't, don't commit to read this, but go here, 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 and here. Just read an orderly method, and uh, you're going to understand it better if you read it as it was written. Okay? If you read it as it was written. And then number nine, let it transform your life. This is the living word. This is God's word to you. And so we speak to God through prayer. One of the best ways, one of the biggest ways he speaks to us is through his word. So if you want to hear from God, we need to jump into the Bible. And that is how to read your Bible intentionally. We're talking about remaining in relationship. And so then the last thing is how to reflect intentionally. How to reflect. The best way to reflect is to look at yesterday. Okay? And so then this takes writing. Now, I wrote for the college newspaper when I was in, when I was in college. I loved writing for the college newspaper. I hate writing about myself. I'm just not a big fan. Right? And so here's how I got over that hump. I just asked specific questions. Okay? And so if you want to reflect, you want to reflect, well, there's a reason for this too. So if you want to reflect, here's what you're going to write about. What energized me? This is about yesterday, right? So the topic is yesterday or reflection, whatever you, what, whatever speaks to you, whatever works for you. What energized me yesterday? Now, that's very general. What energized me as a husband? Be specific yesterday. What energized me as a dad? 
as a pastor, as a leader, as a CEO, as a businessman, as a what energized me as a blank. If you say what energized me yesterday, what's going to happen is you're going to lead to a what. What energized me yesterday? Well, I had this for lunch and I got this done. Did it? Did that energize you? Right? Be specific. What wounded me? What hurt me? Right? What hurt me as a husband? What hurt me as a dad? What hurt me as a husband? Uh, Heather said this, and we talked about it today, and man, it just didn't it just didn't mesh well with me. Write it down. What hurt me? Uh, Oscar uh, came over to give me a hug, and he was so quick to give me a hug, I didn't get to hug him back, and I missed an opportunity there. What hurt me? Right? What wounded me? Where did I get it right? Celebrate. Make sure you celebrate, right? We're always going to know what's wrong. Where did I get it right? Right? Where did I get it right as a husband? Man, I sit on the couch with Heather last night. We had a great in-depth conversation about blank. Got that right. Uh, man, telling the boys good night last night. Uh, they asked me about X. We talked about it, prayed about it. It was good. Where did I get it right? And then where am I winning? Now, this is more personal, right? Where am I winning as a husband? Where am I winning as a dad, leader, etc.? But where am I winning? Period. Make sure you're celebrating. I used to have a question here. What would I do differently? Man, it's negative, And I haven't experienced much life out of writing about what I would do differently. Only regret. And so I deleted that. Okay. Now, these are great questions. You need to have your own questions. These are just an idea. This is how to reflect, right? I'm going to tell you why this matters. The second half of my journal or my, I think you call it a journal, <laughs> my journal um, is right about today. And today I call today recognized because it's in front of me. I do this first thing in the morning. So I'm going to recognize where I can win today. And so then what did I read that morning? Okay. Whether it be on the YouVersion Bible app or in my Bible, or uh, sometimes people send me stuff. And it'll sit in a text for two or three weeks before I get to it because it's not on my not that in my priorities. What did I read that morning? What did I read that morning? Right? Then reflect on what I read. I read Proverbs chapter 29 today. Here's what it said. The, uh, verse 7 stuck out to me, right? Whatever it is. Uh, God said this. I believe it, it means this. I share my daily proverb every day. The proverb that punches me in the face every day. I punched the world in the face with it. I just sent it out. Okay. So what did you read? Reflect on what you read and then recognize where you can win today. This is where you get to check your calendar. So now I open my calendar up and I say, oh, okay, I've got X, Y, and Z today. Now, my family's on my calendar. My wife is on my calendar. Our kids' appointment, like everything. And so I see everything is on my calendar. And so then I, from, from start to finish, I see here, here, and here. These are going to be my high points of the day, right? And then the last thing I do is I write. And writing just gives me a chance to get all the negative trash that's in my head out on paper. And what happens when you do that is you end up approaching the day in a positive in a positive way because the, the, the negatives still in there. The stuff that the stuff that was there or how you started your day doesn't exist anymore. You just put it on paper. Man, I really wish that whatever, right? Now, here's how to make your journal matter, right? Journaling is not weird. It's not a uh it's <laughs> It's not weird, okay? Just bear with me. You need to have a weekly review of this. And so once a week, I go and sit down with my journal and I look back through the, the last six days and I highlight the, the constants. Oh, this was said three times. Uh, and so then that helps me to where I see the, 
um, the most repetitive things, that helps me set a list for the next week, if that makes sense. And so that once a week, go back, you're not journaling, you're just going to take it, take, you know, 30 to 45 minutes to 10 minutes, it doesn't matter, depending on how much you write. You go back and you look through what are the constants. And so, for example, uh, in our transition to Detroit, I wrote in my journal for three months, I need to paint our house. I need to paint our house. And one week I was sitting down and I looked back and I wrote every day that I need to paint our house. And so I started going back and I realized I'd been writing, I need to paint our house for three months. That was a step. That was the step I wasn't taking. Once our house got painted, we put it on the market and it sold. Right? We knew we were supposed to come, but what's my next step? If you'll journal and you'll go back and recap, you'll be blown away by what happens. And then what you're going to do with those um, with those weekly uh, reviews is once a year, you're going to disappear for a day and you're going to go back through those 52 recaps. And so this is going to be a time for you to unplug, no technology, man, read, pray, uh, worship, uh, take a nap, take lots of naps uh, and kind of write um, and go back through those 52 days and see really what God's doing and where he's moving you into the future, into your next year, if that makes sense. And so that's how we reflect with intention. And that's very important. Again, we do that because of what Psalms 46, 10 says. Remember, I merged a couple of verses. Be still, stop your striving, let go of your concerns. Know that I'm God. If we don't ever relax, we're never going to be able to write. And so you've got to be able to do that. And that's an idea of how to remain by being relaxed. That's part one. I hope you'll uh, check us out for part two. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for today. I just thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to share. And uh, these are biblical principles, Lord, that are huge. They're monumental in our lives, especially when it comes to remaining in our relationship with you. And so I just ask you, Lord, to take these things and multiply them to people, Lord. Help them to get them. Lord, this is not easy. This is a big-time process. There are so many steps to take here. So I just ask you to help people to be diligent and to be faithful and to be consistent as they engage with you, whether they start reading for the first time, praying, worshiping, or writing, Lord. I just ask you to bring life to everything that they're doing. Lord, spark the fire that's inside of them as they sit down to be intentional with you, Lord, and work in their life to where they know there's no other thing that can be doing what's happening except for you, Lord. You're the God of all life. You're the God of all everything. Lord, we give you glory today, and we thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that it challenged you and that you'll take steps this week to have a greater faith and to go deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about what's happening here at Redefine Church, you can visit us online at liveredefine.com. Follow us on social media at Redefine Church or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.